Vox. 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 Vox Populi. Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Vox Populi podcast. Today we are having a conversation inspired by Chelsea A. Flowers' exhibition, Give Me My Flowers. I am Makiba Rainey, a current Vox member and originally from New York, living in Kensington. And I primarily do digital collage. And I am excited to be in conversation with Chelsea. Yes, hello, hi. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yes, my name is Chelsea A or Chelsea A Flowers, either way. And so I am from Cleveland, Ohio originally, currently based in Detroit. And I am an interdisciplinary artist who is a, is a big fan who loves to infuse kind of karaoke and cinema comedy within my art practice. I also do some installation and sculptural things as well. And so, yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> Let's get into it. Yeah, thinking about my art practice, as I mentioned in my bio or whatnot, or in introducing myself, I really appreciate comedy. Um, like, I love during the pandemic, which is still happening, um, but I, I was really into posting like five of my favorite stand-up comedians. It's like a way to like be like, hey, this is what I'm laughing at to get through this wild ass time. And here are some people you could laugh at too. Comedians like Shalewa, like Sydney uh, Washington, and just, you know, all of my favorite black and brown films, them identifying comedians. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so I really love stand-up comedy and I really love karaoke. And so about three or four years ago, I started kind of combining those two things and in like in, through video works mm-hmm. and then kind of adding another layer to it was like I think about how would these videos be shown how are they engaged with how are they interacted with and so I make an installation that accompanies these videos I've been thinking through like <laughs> the trauma of grad school my cohort and they're thinking of what they were giving me was feedback but then also very like colonialized or very westernized I mean obviously I'm also a westernized and colonialized person but a very white perspective of my work that actually wasn't helpful and so I'm thinking about well how do I like basically kind of say fuck all that noise and make the work that is about me and my familial lineage in a really roundabout way that's really that's how I work that's what I think about as I'm working it's about me and my family and I think how we navigate this wild wild idea that is white supremacy or just project that is white supremacy and I'm air quoting the word uh, project I would love to hear a bit more a bit about your artistic practice if you wouldn't mind Yes, of course. I'm really realizing right now of family and what that means and where they exist within my practice. But I mostly do digital collage work. I am, I've been creating art for as long as I can remember, you know, like taking classes and traditionally trained in like illustration and painting, but completely self-taught in digital art. Um, and I create collage portraits of iconic, historic, and contemporary Black folks wearing African wax prints. So like taking out, removing them from whatever background they're in in the photo and changing the background, putting them in this iconic sort of saint-like halo and wearing African wax socks just to make that connection clear of the influence specifically of Black Americans on the, the global Black community, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and how embedded our struggles are and, mm-hmm. and how much we have given to that, to that global struggle. And the goal is for other Black folks to recognize their own potential 
when they look at these images. So yeah. <laughs> That's really great. I was thinking about a lot of things. I base the way I navigate the world now off of what Zoomers or what, what Gen Z says. Um, so I'm thinking a lot about like digital media and really how pop culture mm. is synonymous with black culture. So it's just like, so I'm, so I'm really like, I'm really, I'm, I like love what you're saying about like what's influential, like really the influence of like black Americans, but then also doing it via digital media, which is like, it's reaches so far. Like, yeah. I've learned about weather reports from TikTok. Like I think there's <laughs> like 30% or 70% chance. It's like not chance of rain, but like rain's going to happen. 30% chance or 30% of the population will experience rain. Which mm. I should be more clear about that. Like anyways, right, that's whole, right, right. <laughs> it's a about digital collage and digital media, how it's such a far reaching, um, like, yeah, the internet's a wild place. Digital is a wild place to navigate. And I really do love the, like for me, I'm like, I'm hearing the exchange of knowledge or the mm-hmm. like graciousness of like sharing, uh, culturally sharing through digital media. Um, yeah, was, that's yeah. great. I mean, that's partially why, well, the, the reason why I started doing digital art was because I didn't have studio space. And that was like, it's easy to just be on a computer making art, right? Mm-hmm. But after being on Instagram and being active online and having social justice be such a huge part of my art practice, and being inspired by like the black arts movements from the 60s and 70s, you know, and realizing that like art has to be accessible to black folks because that's who I'm making it for, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. social media is the best way to do that mm-hmm. outside of being talking to people in person, you know, and mm-hmm. just to, to lead into to talking about how we do our work or did our work during COVID you know, you don't get to engage with Black folks in person, like how we used to, you know, like no cookouts, no festivals, everything is canceled. (laughs) So social media is where we're spending a lot of time, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's where we have to be at. That's where I have to be at. I feel like exactly what you said. (laughs) I really only have an Instagram. Like I, I, it's Facebook. I think I have a Facebook, but mainly Instagram is a (laughs) social media. Yeah. Like is it real? It's Facebook's like my space, right? But you know, it's, it's not real. <laughs> like, I don't know. But yeah, so anyway, so yeah, Instagram was stuff in the manner in which I met, I met a lot of artists uh, digitally and it's really mm. fun to think, whoa, we just met in person like last week, but we've known each other right. online for a year. Like, yeah. So that's been pretty interesting and wild. I was listening to another podcast, Therapy for Black Girls. They had a guest on there talking about traditional African spirituality and the way to get into that or is to acknowledge your ancestors right and you do that through your family by figuring out you know where you come from who your family is uh, which is especially important for black Americans who may not know you know how far back it's just the whole discovery process and within that process you develop a better connection with your ancestors and your ancestors are the tool with which you get to do all of the things that you want to do, right? So the woman said a joke on the podcast that said the ancestors are now on the Wi-Fi because that's where everybody is. Uh-huh, you know, funny. we had they have to be where we need them to be in order for us to get those messages that we need. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I've been thinking about that a lot. Like with my as much as I want to get off of social media as much as I want to like disconnect and not be distracted 
I'm like, like I said before, that's where you got to be. And it's amazing how well you can sort of curate your own space and your own community online. Uh, yeah, I love the curation. Like, I feel like, like the self-curation, but then also the algorithm, how literally it's like, oh, we got you. We're only going to show exactly. you this. Exactly. Um, one thing and you I'll mentioned think, that in your work, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it's segregation. It's like me, I think there's a self-segregation, but then algorithms like, yo, I got you. I'm gonna take it one step forward. And something that I was like, whoa, like, you know, I just assumed that everyone's like social looked like mine. So it's like, you know, like social justice, justice for, you know, the next person to memorialize who's been, you know, brutalized mm-hmm. by police. And like, then like hair tutorials, like literally that's what I assumed it was. And then I, then I was looking at um, a coworker who was, like, was just showing me theirs. And I was like, oh, mm. this is not, we do not see the same things online. So we are not, <laughs> we're not learning, we're not absorbing the same things. But, right. I'm like, but also, I'm like, yeah, maybe get you, uh, so like, oh, so maybe we are not, one, you're clearly an ally based on what you're, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's funny how social media can tell us, like, who the good ones are, um, just yeah. by what is in their feed, or like, what they're consuming, what they care to consume, what they go out of their way mm-hmm. to learn to consume social media is a while yeah i love a good segregation i love when tech companies help us segregate ourselves or what we consume i don't need to see another uh bad barbie if you're familiar with that girl uh, catch, me, catch out- me outside yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like jewels or i don't need, i don't need to see any of that that can like stay or even justin bieber with dreadlocks that can stay in one corner he has locks now oh they're gone <laughs> um yeah they they were they were they weren't real they weren't locks they were they were like just wet hair that was matted uh, matted hair Ew. yeah 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 so, yeah yeah since we're talking about it let's talk about it segregation <laughs> for the folks who have not seen the exhibition at Vox, could you just maybe give a brief description of the artwork yeah so the work it will if you can see it on fox's website but yeah or also on my website uh in the coming days or weeks uh there's really beautiful documentation i gotta put it up so the show itself the idea behind it was it's kind of minimal in a sense but there's like a lot of like coded uh language and kind of elements within it but it mainly has two videos one video is like a stand-up comedy bit that i wrote of like a few jokes that is then being shown like a karaoke video so you've got that video kind of running and talks about segregation, talks about Kristen Bell, who really got me through or helped me in the rough day, in the early days of the pandemic. I watched Veronica Mars, like episode, oh, sorry, this is a tangent, season one, <laughs> two, three, the movie, I bought the movie. You and bought the movie. I bought it because I, I needed that, I needed, I needed a connection. Uh, really, Kristen Bell, so I watched Veronica Mars at least five times uh, in, the, in the past like, seasons, in, um, past year. I watched The Good Place. I got bullied into watching Frozen. So just literally, oh. Getting Sarah Marshall. Yes, 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 <laughs> yeah. So Kristen Bell really held me down. Anyway, so that, so that video talks about Kristen Bell and really segregation, white supremacy, how it's a weird, weird concept. And I make it jab at Chet Hanks, um, Tom Hanks' son, if you're not familiar. <laughs> um, and then there on the other video, it's just, it was really my exploration of my dad, past um back mm. in march uh at the end of march you know now yeah, thank you um and so the video was me just thinking about like like what the last moments were about 
what his brain thought about in the last moment. It starts with my, with showing like kind of like my family, like my niece, my, my hands are in there, my sister's in there. And then really it's me just kind of wondering like, what were these, what, so your brain as it's losing, as like it's losing oxygen or it's being deprived of oxygen, it's supposed to hallucinate. So I was wondering what those, what were those hallucinations? So mm. it's clips from popular culture from like, you know, from movies like The Imitation of Life, the original one, um, Valley of the Dolls 2, <laughs> um, um, just so movies that he made me watch with me, like Howl's Moving Castle. So it's just kind of like, oh, a uh, clip from The Wire. So anyway, it's kind of all these mm-hmm. things that, that I'm really just kind of exploratively wondering, like, what were those last moments? And then in the physical space itself. So those are the two videos. Sorry, you can also totally see this documentation on Box's website. But the last <laughs> element that I'll share is that is the installational part where I have kind of all these flowers and that's where the title, my last name is Flowers. Um, and then there's also the title where it comes from Give Me My Flowers. So it's just literally a massive amount of flowers. If I, I've gone over budget <laughs> buying these flowers um, and they're fake flowers. So, but I wish I could have had more. Like that's, uh, mm-hmm. I just wish I could have more flowers. Um, I was but, thinking to myself to go buy flowers and just sort of just drop mm-hmm. them in there. It's just abundance. You know what I mean? You're like mm-hmm. requesting, give me my flowers while I'm still here. And I'm just like, yes, everybody <laughs> bring all of the flowers. It is. But yeah, mm-hmm. this is really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, exhibition. Yeah, thank you. I love that idea. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. So yeah, thank you. Um, I'll just share the last component with carpet runners, which is feels very, to me, feels very black, me, black, black. Um, also if, like if I wasn't over budget, like I would have, I would have loved to have gotten like the actual kind of auntie couch and then covered it in plastic. Like, so yeah. like, um, <laughs> the transformation of like, of a plastic covered couch is very black and brown and like the trifecta of like John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. And Jesus, like, that's just kind of like the black household. White trifecta. Jesus. White yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Or the, Specifically. Like, like, like Jesus. No, you just said Jesus. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So I feel like, the, so those things are like, I feel like they're very specific. They're very also like, I'm thinking about this idea about how you trace back your lineage. I am a, a direct descendant of the second great migration. Yeah, the second great migration. So like my mom was born in the South. My dad was born um, in Ohio, like in Cleveland. So thinking about like, yeah, just having to drive down ugh, through like Lynchburg. So we were going to Lynchburg, Virginia to finish that sentence. Well, we would go to like the Carolinas. And so really just kind of like these ideas about like, yeah, like kind of these lineal, these fam- familial, these ancestral kind of like remnants that are within are in the gallery, but I'm also like very, very prominent in the way in which I grew up and maybe also some of the trauma <laughs> that I have in from growing up. But <laughs> I was walking through it and I like chuckled at myself when I saw the, the trifecta on the wall, right? I'm like, Vox is a very white space, right? I know this as a member. <laughs> I know this is an artist who, who had been coming there before I was a member. Um, and I was talking with someone else and I'm talking about the artwork and I'm like, yeah, you're not, you're not going to get this. Like, you're not, you're not going to understand why JFK and white Jesus to MLK are on the wall together because you're not black. You didn't grow up in a black household. I think you did a really great job of the the karaoke stand-up comedy because it, it reads very well like that. I love stand-up comedy. I did it a few times to get over my fear of speaking in public nice. and I bombed <laughs> like completely, but it was the best experience. I've I've had so this sort of like insertion of it feels like you're doing two things at the same time right you're like uh you have this unapologetically 
black exhibition in this white ass space right? and then but also you sort of insert Christian Bell into your your segregation comedy right and I was that that was the one thing when I looked at it I was like like question mark what like why personally I was on the same page as you and I was like yes I'm trying to remove as many toxic ass white people out of my life as possible I would be happy if I never had to engage with a white person ever again for the rest of my life to be completely honest and I do not personally I move under the impression that they are like Mama Coco said in our mother's garden, they are who their ancestors were. So I don't give any white person a pass for anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's and real. I'm also wondering how whiteness sort of inserts itself into our private Black familial spaces. I personally talk a lot about the ways in which white folks sort of take from us, you know, through cultural appropriation, through, you know, Bad Barbie, Post Malone, Dub Bieber, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) In what ways do we sort of like adapt whiteness and like what, what is the sort of, I'm not, it's not a real question. Like, I guess what are your thoughts on that, you know? If I could just really quickly back to Kristen Bell, mm-hmm. I just want to, I mean, I thought I kind of answered it, but I just want to say she got me through the pandemic. Yeah. You know, I, just, <laughs> I mean, like, also the, the joke is that she's the white, my, my, my white queen, but there's no white queen besides right. like, nope, not even in Disney movies, there are no white queens. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was just a joke, but you know, uh, the good place, it helped me down, especially during my, uh, my dad's funeral, um, even though it shouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, I think this idea, so I think, how do we adopt whiteness? I don't, I don't, I don't know, because of COVID, like, I didn't have to leave my house. So I wasn't really engaging with mixed company. It was literally just my roommates who are people, well, people of color, uh, or melanated people. Um, so, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know. And I think in having to be back out in the world, I've noticed that my tolerance, my patience for foolishness, when I say foolish, foolishness, it's remnants of white supremacy. I have no tolerance for it. Like normally, and even it's little things like, oh, what, you didn't see me, you couldn't hold the door. And so I was like, oh, well, thank you. I got the door, like, you know, or, you know, so I'll say things like that. And I say it under my breath, but now I'm like, oh, I'm going to say it louder because, you know, Mm -hmm. here we are. I know that I myself personally don't have the energy. (laughs) I think also living in Detroit where it's a very chocolate city. And while it is, gentrification is wildly hitting this, like it's wild how hard it's hitting the city, but there's still really beautiful pockets where it's like, I am in community. I am only within my own community. And so I think that's a privilege that, it's funny to say, it's a privilege uh, to be able to move, navigate the world like that. Like even, I don't think I have an answer for you. I also don't think I really want to have to think about that. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you stay over there, even in music, like, I'm quite sure, or I have a feeling Jack Harlow's probably a delightful person. I don't, I make it a point to not listen to any musicians that gentrify like hip hop or R&B, even Bruno Mars. I'm sorry, boo. I'm not, mm. I can't do it. Um, your curls are cute, but I, I can't. Mm. Um, Post it's gross. Someone needs to bathe that <laughs> man. Get, get him a bath, put him to sleep. Oh no. Yeah, I just, he's he so tired and dirty all the time. Like wash him. Oh, he's 
You are a stand-up comedian. That's hilarious. <laughs> or, 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 I mean, but also, it's, it's just an observation. Someone watched that child. Um, Matthew, <laughs> you mentioned you did stand-up. I just had two questions. One was, um, who were some of your favorite stand-up comedians? And then the second question was, I was wondering where you did stand-up uh, comedy at. Ah, okay. Where R.I.P. Paul Mooney, for sure. Mm-hmm. Richard Pryor is, I know everybody says the same. Like, he's just, he's the best to me who else tracy morgan early tracy morgan (laughs) he would just say like uncomfortable shit and like fucking like beat a dead horse like nobody's laughing he just digs a a deeper hole for himself Mm -hmm. and as i understood that because the first time i did stand up it was at a poetry open mic Mm. it was at a very small African restaurant in Brooklyn and nobody got what I was saying (laughs) like nobody it was such a shift in like mood right and people Mm -hmm. are like eating somebody spat up their food (laughs) and I thought that was the best thing ever I was like nobody's feeling me I think what I'm saying is hilarious clearly nobody agrees and this whole situation is absurd and hilarious to me and that's I can imagine like Tracy Morgan just dying inside of his head like laughing that like people just are so uncomfortable <laughs> uh-huh. yeah I love that I was talking with um I think with this one young lady who's a curator um in Oakland who is a uh, a white lady um definitely anti-black or anyways yeah it's just really funny because she gave me um we gonna be all right by jeff chang have you read that book or if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with jeff chang oh it is it is a delightful book it is beautiful uh i mean so jeff chang i think really implicates himself being asian american Mm -hmm. and then but then also writes about blackness but then also what's about Mm -hmm. white supremacy anti-blackness and really how and and it's really, really kind of beautifully crafted uh, book. It's essays that was into into a book. There are essays about, he has an essay about Beyonce that like whenever I do an artist talk, I love to start with it because I'm like, yes, this right here. It's just, it's great. <laughs> and um, specifically Beyonce in like, Making Lemonade or Lemonade Itself, the album, uh, not the drink. He has like a, there's We Gonna Be All Right, Lemonade, What a Time to Be Alive. So basically kind of taking like, the titles of rap songs and making them like, like each uh, chapter. Mm. Had, anyway, so this book very much about race, blackness, anti-blackness, um, white supremacy. And so this white lady gives me this book and it's like, I think you'll get something out of it. And I was like, oh, maybe you should get something out of it. But Right, you read the book. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I'm so sorry. I wonder if she really did. Probably not. Oh, anyway, so we were having this conversation about stand-up comedy. <laughs> uh, white lady who should read more books and I. And we were talking about just this idea about kind of about comedy and really how in failure stand-up comedy it's like a really kind of weird art form it's something where you can't practice or like you can but like you can practice amongst like friends or like peers but that's a t- and like I've done stand-up like in a gallery I've done it like in comedy clubs which are two different audiences mm-hmm. completely gallery audiences are a lot more gracious I feel like with like their laughter or with their patience and like a comedy club is and so it's just such a, like a funny space to navigate but you, you can't practice for it because literally right. you don't know how someone's going to react and so it's so you just like trying to hit your line or trying to do whatever. But like, so I think that like every experience could be bombing. And I think that bombing was actually mm. a really great experience. I went to Austin. I went, Austin has a really intense stand-up comedy um, community. And I like mm. went there and I was kind of, I was like, doing the circuit. And I think my first time like out in Austin, I like, went to like, a really like a place where like the professionals go to like practice. And mm. I was like, nope. 
nope, not here. I was, <laughs> I was on stage for less than a minute. I, I, you know, I had, a, I had a hard five, couldn't even get a minute. I was like, well, thank you for your time. So sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna leave. Uh, <laughs> and this one girl comes up to me afterwards. She's like, that was good. You just, you, you just gotta, you just gotta keep on trying. <laughs> like, thank you. At least you got on stage. You know what I'm saying? At least yeah, you yeah. got up there yeah. and said something. That's, that takes a lot a lot a lot a lot of bravery how often do you perform stand-up i had been doing actually quite a bit you know 2019 and then obviously covid hit so i, I don't think i did any stand-up in 2020 so i was at a residency in the woods uh acre residency it's still like or it's delightful um and i should clarify that i was a staff member there this go around this summer but i've i've, I've been there as a resident resident previously but as a staff member this summer and i did some stand-up comedy there I tried it out, made some dead dad jokes, um, oh. made some, you know, domestic abuse jokes, uh, at least what I saw growing up. Um, did it hit? You know, I don't know. I couldn't tell. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I'll try again. Um, I used to do it a lot, like 2017 to 2019. I was doing it a lot, a lot, a lot. And really, I started it because of trauma from uh my mfa program really um there can we like, talk about that because you do mention it in oh, the show as well what okay. happened in grad school oh what did happen? <laughs> <laughs> um i'll probably i mean so you know grad school i mean i think there's a really funny article that who not diaz who i know like there were some sexual assault allegations i, I don't know where that uh landed um but i'm just saying the writing about the mf it's called the people versus the MFA mm-hmm. and I think he talks really nice really kind of eloquently about like I think really the universal experience that people of color uh have and really how it's trauma how it's violence um and so <laughs> so for me there were a handful of things or probably the one where that like really really just like I think something snapped and I'm not sure if it's ever snapped back or if it will snap back I don't know was that uh in my program I so I went to Cranbrook it's a garbage fire I, I mean I don't know some people like it <laughs> I uh, did not, <laughs> but it, it, so there's this thing where like there aren't any professors and there are no classes. It's all like studio and making, and then like uh, the department heads they are the professors, but there really aren't professors. But basically, for each department, there's one department head, and so you have to sit and have people talk about your work, and each department head will kind of come through and they'll talk. And so there's one young man who Bill Massey is this asshole's name. He comes in, he's uh, you know a white man, late fifties, early sixties. And he's like, he looks around, doesn't really know what to say about my work. I like, at this point, I was like working with chitlins. Like I was like working on the process of kind of like performance of like making them, but you also have to clean. And if you don't know chitlins, or for those of you, if there are any listeners who don't know, chitlins are pig intestines that you mm-hmm. clean, a very long cleaning process. And it has a very uh, intense smell. And so, so I had like chitlins. I, um, I lead a twerk shop during Black History Month every year. I didn't do it during COVID. Yeah, something ironic about teaching white people how to twerk. I don't know if it's problematic or not, but for me, it's kind of funny um, and interesting. I think there are really interesting moments. And also it's not just white people. I've had many people of different races. I've taught them how to twerk. Um, so, you know, so there's like all these really, once again, these black signifiers. And this man comes in, he's like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. But instead of just saying that, and he could have left. He looks around, he's like, huh, you know, when I look at your work, I think about my dick. And this is verbatim is what he said. And I was like, what does that mean? Same one, not, you know, that, my fault. I, sh- I shouldn't have asked for clarification. And it's like, you know, like I think about like, you know, being young, like being a man. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fucking weird. 
So that was that was like strike one. The next strike was um heathen. He's like, you know, he's like, I don't really know this stuff, but my son would know this stuff. <laughs> Cause he said, sorry, this is not funny, but he said, you know, all I see is nigga, nigga, nigga. When I look at this. And I was wow. like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that point, I was like, oh, okay. So I get you didn't call me the N-word, but you call it, you're saying it about my work, which my essence is calling me that. So from that experience, there's no HR because it's such a small school. So I talked to the dean and I had a sit down, and air, air quoted sit down, where like, really, he was supposed to give me an apology, but it was still a bunch of mansplaining and basically yeah. me like, I did nothing wrong, kind of like apology. So on some bullshit. And so then uh, later on, I find out that he basically, he's like getting removed from his position but really he was able to leave on his own terms. It wasn't like he was fired. He, he got a brand new job somewhere else, like in Arkansas, if he's, I don't know. So it, it was one of those things where it's like, they're like, oh, we're taking care of you. You are a student. We understand you or how you feel. And it's like, bro, no, not at all. You truly, you gave no fucks about me. You left yeah. this, this person who has a, a really, actually really clear history of violence towards students, towards queer identifying students and students of color. And then I know that not many students have spoken up. And when I did, literally it was like it was it was more like harm and trauma towards me and then and then i'm done talking shit about this place um but the last not even talking shit talking about my experience right the last thing where i'm like bro i don't even go here anymore leave me alone is that my thesis my my thesis book we all you know you have to write a thesis you got to put it in a book they make us spend our own money on that crap i made it about me and really kind of like my mental health journey while being in school and i just wrote about white women who I also referenced the white women in the video as well, but who mm. were literally racist and anti-black. And I like, and so the title, and it's been, it wasn't anything bad, but I was just like, and then also let me know your thoughts if I'm in the wrong. I would, I would love to hear someone else's thoughts. Um, mm. But it says the title of like the series of the images, there were pictures of the white women themselves or of their work. And then the title was just called Praying for White Naive Women. Like, it's like mm-hmm. a meme I'm giving myself. It's like, I'm praying for you. Like, I hope that you've mm-hmm. learned to be anti-Black. I hope that you learn to not be so ignorant. And, you know, because of your ignorance, you say and do racist things. But apparently that was defamation of character. <laughs> and um, they tried to take me to court. They pulled my thesis book out of, like, the archive. So, like, the censoring of, like, you know, a Black student because like, the women whose images were in my book, not their names, they felt some type of way. So, um, basically, really appeasing their fragility, which is kind of giving mm. my point, but, yeah. Right, so it's right. <laughs> That's the art. Showing them who they are, right? You don't have to explain yourself, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's wild. And this is also why I'm, like, the goal is to not engage with these folks in on their terms. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, if I'm yeah. going to engage with white people, it's going to be on my terms of um, trauma, triggering, how triggering it is for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I don't have, I don't have time or energy. And it feels like my grandmother said something so amazing. <laughs> I interviewed her in high school for some random project. And she was a Black Panther. She wasn't a part of like the old Black Panther party. She joined the new Black Panther party in her older age, right? Because she always like, what did she say? She said she didn't want, she couldn't imagine seeing herself walking around in those men's boots. 
And I don't remember her being a feminine woman. So I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you dress like a dude every day, you know? Like, and she finally gained the courage to, to stand up for herself and her, for, for her community and join the new Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's going through the manifesto and eventually it's like, all right, well, like, what do you, what do you want? You know, as somebody who's experienced segregation, is somebody who who knows who has seen firsthand the true nature of these folks what is the thing that you know black folks are actually like wanting like how how do we exist in this country and she was basically like if you see me walking down the street get out of my fucking way it's as simple as that just get out of the way i'm mm-hmm. doing something i have things to do and you mm-hmm. constantly insert yourself in impeding my progress nobody's thinking about you nobody cared like and even the fact that the things that you had wished upon these white women for their bullshit was so minuscule was so like you like a minor inconvenience for all of the bullshit that you put me through black folks are so like forgiving and and like just stop doing the shit that you've been doing just stop it and leave me the fuck alone Oh, like, I don't even care for anything else. Just move out the way and let me do my thing. And then for the audience, if y'all haven't seen the video, it, it's on Vimeo somewhere, but uh, it's on Vimeo, definitely. Um, <laughs> but um, just Mickey was referencing how, like, they're the white women who at the... Uh, who I, who <laughs> at, my, at my grad school, who, yeah, like, I wish that... What, the, that they'd stub their toe or that they get all that they get lice. And I feel like, you know, lice, lice, bed bugs. That's not that, that else to <laughs> I'm like, ooh, I, I, like that one feels a little. Wait, wait, that, oh, never mind. Originally, the line was bed bugs. With no, that's wishing too bad luck on someone because then it's gonna come back on me. But I'm like, lice. I mean, you know, don't get lice. We'll get it again. You know, because lice can be really obnoxious. But um, right. I but like, it's say. it's Sorry. not. It's there's no comparison. Like that is such yeah. a small thing to have to deal with versus experiencing racism in this country as a, as a black woman as a black person you know like there's no comparison there's there's no real justice for that mm-hmm. there's no way that they could pay us back there's no way for me it's it's the little ones and i and i, and I do hope like i say you know, take a nap for three generations and so you learn not to kill black people yeah. um, or to be afraid of black people. Um, I mean, I'm quite sure. I know it's like, <laughs> oh man, like, I'd hope that it's not, it'd be less than three generations or just there just be some sort of understanding. And I don't know, like, I think like with Zoomers, are they better? I don't know if they're better. I don't, do you, do you hang out? or well, not hang out, but do you have to engage with the Zoomers or Gen Z children? I don't know TikTok how old generation? anyone is anymore. I have no idea. Um, for, me, for me, anyone under like twenty four or twenty three is a baby, mm-hmm. and like you're like you're a Zoom or a TikTok. Twenty three, um, twenty four. I taught a group of high school students, but they were all black. I don't think I, I don't engage with young white people. Uh, I mean, no, that, you know that's that's an appropriate sentence for an adult. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna say that in grad school I nannied, and so also I'll just share that like I've only nannied for people with black ch- children or mm. black families. The the black family it was oh, that was it was not good. Uh, mm. A lot of respectability politics there. Um, or in the family that had a black child, um, they had a black and a white child. 
but they went to a Japanese school. There were levels to it. I actually, those kids were great. They were really, really great. Um, but I learned a lot from them and that, yeah, I learned about, a lot about myself and a lot from them and they learned from me and blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, I used to spend a lot of time before, before COVID, COVID's still happening, but like, just I, mean, I, yeah. I gotta keep on saying that also, or also the pandemic and the, it's a big dual pandemic of white supremacy and of COVID. And so it was a very kind of interesting, um, youth that I was engaging with. Do you have you faith know, that they will be different? Than their parents I mean, or their grandparents? Yeah, they annoy me. I don't, I, polite. I think that, I think there are sometimes there are moments where I'm like, you are saying so much and I love the energy that you have, but have you read a book? You can't learn everything from TikTok or Instagram right. or Facebook. Right. Have you read a book? I love the energy, but read a book. Um, right. And so I think that once I read a book part, it comes into the equation, at least for the youth that I've been engaging with. I think it's going to be, fucking badass like I'm excited mm. um because I'm so tired yeah white supremacy has me so tired so it's like, yeah. it's like I, I've got nothing left to give you nothing left to give so tired part of me was you know if, if white folks at a young age are are introduced to different people and cultures and experiences they'll be more open-minded or you know they'll do the right thing or whatever whatever and I, I have no faith I have no faith I'm sorry I don't really? I don't have any faith yeah Oh, I'm in for black children. Black I, children. I, yeah, sorry. When I was thinking about like, my faith in like or <laughs> and like the younger people, I was thinking about, or or I should say, children of color, or mm. sorry, even better, the global majority. Which right, exactly. Uh, I love decolonizing phrases. Um, the global yeah. South is that what they call us? Anchor people <laughs> on Al Jazeera when they talk about impoverished nations, we're mostly like dark skinned black and brown folks they call it the global south and i think it's such an interesting term i've never well now i'll be i'll be on the lookout for it yeah that is okay like antarctica i don't i don't know where, 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 does, it, where does it start i don't i don't get it yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious okay wild that brings up another thing or this is what i was trying to say when i brought up jfk and christian bell and yeah, as much as i would love to never see a, a white person ever again in my life. <laughs> just just for that sense of peace. You can't escape that in America, mm-hmm. right? And what it means for me to, to exist in this space is to be able to sort of um, take what you need with the thought in the back of your mind, always to be cautious of white folks and how they're inserted into our lives and what the intention behind their words are but also the information that they have is valuable because of the resources that you know what I mean like how do you navigate or contend with needing these things and having to go through white folks to get them you know what I mean um how do how do you navigate that the navigation um Jeez, I mean, I think I was talking with another, um, like, like a Latinx uh, artist, uh, actually, like a, like a few weeks ago about like the whole like, playing the game. How it's like, it's like we wanna making work that we want people to see. You know, like it's like it's a transference of knowledge. So like it's you know, like it's cultural knowledge that's being passed on via art. And so, but it's like you know, yeah. But <laughs> you kind of got to play the game. For me, I decided to play the game in certain ways. But I think I'm also at a point where. So for me, playing the game meant like being the tokenized artist where I'm like, oh, huh, 
there's uh, no one else uh, black in this show. What is uh, just me? And I was also the very last person to be invited for this exhibition. Um, so it's kind of taking that or like, or there's a time for a few spaces that I've been in where I'm like, oh, I'm the first uh, black person that they've uh, had shown in their space in the past two years. And so, so it's like, you know, I'll bite that, I'll take it. And then from this opportunity, I'm gonna do something uh, bigger or yeah, I'm just something bigger where I can negotiate more. Um, I had the pleasure of being partnered with this artist, Tiana Bowie. Our work was in a show at the Museum of Contemporary Art Detroit. And so I got a chance to learn from her. It was like, it's not verbatim, but negotiate with these hoes more or less is what she was saying. Um, and so and so just being learning how to say no or being you know this is cute but add a zero behind that or put a comma in there um and and also if I can quote someone else in the words of future fuck up some commas um (laughs) so yes I think it's been like sure like having to navigate the in like white institutions or these white spaces within from that navigation like what have I learned it's I learned how to negotiate and how to advocate for myself and so, yeah, so I think that's been really rewarding to like learn from, from those experiences. And then also to be okay saying no. I think when you first graduate, or from my experience graduating from undergrad and grad school, is that like you, you jump at, you don't, you don't jump at every opportunity, but like you, you don't turn things down and you be easy to work with, which like that's also very coded language in and of itself, like be easy to work with. And I'm air quoting easy. Mm. Like as a black person, like that's just, that's fucking coded language right there. I'm like, no, I don't have to be easy. I can advocate for myself. So yeah, some more or less to answer your question. I feel like I've bitten some bullets where sometimes the bullets have not been great, but I really learned from it. And I also, I, I'm also in a position where I'm like, I don't not get paid for things that I do. And the jobs that I've had, I like to kind of pay it forward and make sure that if I'm going to invite an artist like also I didn't say what I do I'm an artist I work in education so if I'm going to have a visiting artist I'm going to make sure that they can get paid like a mm-hmm. decent honorarium and we're not on some things for free so I think that's really how I've had to navigate it and just once again the words of future figuring out how do I fuck up some commas <laughs> quote of the day I'll add from my personal experience is is the way that I sort of navigate through these spaces like I said before is engaging with these folks on my terms and the way that I do that is through working for myself you know what I mean um and I encourage you know when I come across black folks like I'm sick and tired of all the bullshit I'll be like you want to start a business I can quote you like let's do this let's you know be in charge of our own time and money or ways in which we make money um has opens up so much of, of your world in, in being able to do the things that are important to you, that are truly, truly, truly important to you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's super empowering. Just gonna say, if you, if you don't mind my adding, I really, the artist who, um, who I met, it's kind of a weirdo when I met them, but uh, Lauren Halsey, um, who like, what, like one made in LA's like 2019, whatever, whatever, basically got like, got like money and then got money again. And like from that, like, from her art practice or their art practice just fucking has like a gives out fresh produce like and I think it's like bi-weekly in LA I, lo- I love to see it love to hear it but yeah just fucked up a comma a few commas <laughs> not mm-hmm. a few okay a comma but then you know was able yeah to pay a team and really just to provide to give back to the community so I, I do I do I love that energy and yeah yes, one day one day yeah. soon soon manifested it was such a pleasure talking to you so happy we had this opportunity if you would like for folks to follow you on social media or 
you know, what's your what's your IG handle and all of those great things? Are you on Twitter? Oh, I don't tweet. Um, I, I never figured out how to use it, <laughs> um, which sounds, I guess you just type, but um, I do have an Instagram. Uh, it is, my IG is just Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-A-F-1, the number one, Chelsea A-F-1, because my middle name is A. What's your middle name, if you don't mind? Oh, I don't, I never tell people. I've told people, Angela, I don't like giving up my government. Do you lie about it? I do. Like my high school diploma says Angela, my college diploma, I forget what, uh, I don't know, but I, I really, I, I, I do say Angela sometimes, but like I switch it up. Um, I don't ever say my uh, real. Uh, That's middle. amazing. Right. <laughs> I will respect that. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Even on like formal forums, I'm like, nope. You want my whole name? You thought I will give you the A, and that's it. But that's, that's so interesting. Black people are so interesting to me. Like the ways in which we—is it? Why do you not give out your full name? Uh, 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 you know, like when you don't pay bills sometimes, and you <laughs> so that way you try to avoid it. You know, or even if you go to, if you go to the Mm, <laughs> like don't don't say too much <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so i paused um i don't know i think i just like I, that's that's your ouch that's a really great question i'm not actually sure why but i just don't or i think maybe thinking about my dad where he only went by his middle name and never by his first name mm. i think some people never actually knew his first name so maybe there's something mm-hmm. from that yeah yeah more than think, things. yeah yeah i think it's interesting the ways in which we had to sort of uh Bend the rules in order to survive. You know what I mean? Like my great aunt recently passed in March. She's the oldest person in the family, was the oldest person in the family. And I always knew her as somebody who could like finesse the system to get the things that she needed, you know? And it was known as like, you know, you don't tell her certain personal information because she gonna use it to get some stuff because she has to, you know? And, and the ingenuity, man. Like, we gotta do what we gotta do. But these are also things that we need to be sharing amongst each other. So right now is not the place to do that. But we gotta make sure we know how to how to navigate the system and and, and not just survive, but like really, really, really um, take it to the next level. So yeah, yeah. And then I'll just one last thing to add, and then I really I am done. Um, but thinking about how do you pass on like this knowledge and like, and also then you know, this idea of the hierarchy of knowledge, but also, yeah, like learning how to like navigate and also maybe move in and out of like systems is super important. And the artist's residency in the woods, uh, there was like a, yeah, a black femme identifying person who's like, bet, so here we are. So here are all the things that I do. You're mm. all things that I've learned how to not pay for. Basically it was like, it's like a, like mm-hmm. a scammer uh, lesson. And they're like, your phone's, you can't have your phones, you know, we're here for safety, we're here to learn stuff, and it's just, you know, sharing resources. And I, I do believe the people who have the best resources or the best knowledge about, about how to survive are poor folks, folks who, who've had to do it, you know what I mean? Like, really, really, really make something out of nothing. Um, and too often, like you were talking about the hierarchy of knowledge, those folks don't get a platform to share yeah their skills what they know so there was a really beautiful exhibition at red bull arts detroit and it was actually people with disabilities uh the curator 
uh, Tyranny kind of invited all these different artists to think about people with mobility issues, people with, you know, mm. chronic healthcare issues. And there was also a part of the exhibition how so credit scores like that's like that's a colonialistic like that's that's a tool of white supremacy to keep uh people of color down really important mm-hmm. down and so like how do you navigate within that and um and also how do you basically be like yeah this shit's fake um right so i really appreciate those moments of public programming i've just been like hey so here we are this is where we're all at you know so it was just really really beautiful um and just yeah i love moments of sharing knowledge and information that isn't considered like not not top tier knowledge but things that people wouldn't consider important uh knowledge to have Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because all of that is about to go be thrown out the window anyway hopefully as the world changes and becomes more balanced and yeah it was a pleasure uh speaking with you yeah well thank you for just for your time i really enjoyed the conversation and for the listeners if you haven't had a chance to see the show yet it is down but see it on chelsea's website and read a book thank you chelsea for taking the time to have this conversation with me and the vox pop school live podcast audience you can discover more chelsea a flowers work at chelseaaflowers.com and I hope you join us for the next installment of the Vox Popular podcast. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you are streaming.